up to nine. Final seconds. Crowder tries a three-pointer. That's off the mark. Smart the rebound. And they foul with 5.4 remaining by his perfect free-throw shooting. So this one, a wire-to-wire -wire victory for the Boston Celtics. And they're right back in this series as Miami's lead in this best-of-seven conference final is now two games to one. It's the week two post-game review. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm joined by Chris and Rob. How are you two? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty pretty well myself. We're going to dive into the week two in Seattle, and then we're going to get into some Celtics talk right after, which I know you are very excited to get into. <laughs> so, week two at Seattle, Cam Newton answered a lot of our week one concerns well not concerns what we were yeah let's go with concerns what we thought he wouldn't be able to do as far as you know throwing the ball after escaping the pass rush he had a phenomenal game I think he went 30 for 47 was it went for 397 yards two yeah. rushing touchdowns off 11 rushes let's get those let's get those reactions in from you too what'd you see from Cam? Uh, he looked sharp out there. Um, a decent balance for um, receiving. Like Edelman had eight receptions. Nikhil Harry had eight receptions. Um, so like the offense looked pretty good. Um, definitely was better than last week's, uh, where Cam was just running the ball the whole time. <laughs> Nothing was really going, but he looked very sharp. Um, completed. Um, so Cam looked good overall. Um, I think that like the big like worry we were talking about last week was like we knew he could run, but like how how well could he throw? Mm -hmm. And I think this week they kind of cut down on his running a little bit because they felt that like there was no way that this man could run at that capacity every single game yeah. and last the entire season. So with the limited the limited um you know, weapons that the Patriots have. I think he did pretty good. He used, you know, he threw the bird a lot. And I was like, oh, shoot. So he was, finding, he was finding guys that were open, which was – and he looked real comfortable in the pocket. Yeah, that's one thing. He has the ability that Tom Brady didn't, not to throw any, any sort of shade at Brady, but he can escape the pass rush really well. And like Rob just said, the thing with last week that – we pretty much saw what we always have seen from Cam. He can dominate, you know, the rush game, and he did it against Miami, who's a poor team, granted. But this was a huge test for him in Seattle, against Seattle, which there's no crowd. But, um, yeah, he managed to show that he can throw the ball. Like, he hit Julian Edelman on one play. I think it was a second quarter up the middle, and I was like, wow, he threw a dime. Mm -hmm. And – yeah, he showed a lot of versatility in week two, which is a good sign. Uh, it's a bittersweet loss, uh, considering the fact that they were down, was it like 12 or something like that, and they managed to put together a little bit of a run towards the end. But yep. overall, it's a loss that I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied taking, considering what it is we saw from Cam. And that was... <laughs> It's 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 early, but that that's 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 MVP conversation in weeks one and two from what we've seen from him and what he's been able to do with this Patriots offense. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, like, I, <laughs> like even Russell Wilson said it at the end of the game. Like, these games with the Patriots are always so close, and they're they're just really good games. And, um, just like I mean, the end was bittersweet, like you said. Um, I feel like Cam could have ran around um, to the end zone after looking to, at the replay, but but um, it was definitely encouraging because um, I wasn't too sure if our offense was going to be able to stay up with the Seahawks, and we did pretty well. Um, so it's definitely encouraging, but, I mean, we're just going to have to keep on improving and get that next win. Yeah, and he took full blame at the end of the game, too, which is, you know, we're seeing a completely different sort of Cam Newton in the way he settled in, mm-hmm. the way he sort of reacted post-game. Not with the outfits, but I can live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. And I think, I think I'm about to officially be sold, even though I just said it on Twitter last night, but. Again, I got back home from Fridays, had a few drinks, so <laughs> I was I was around Brockton. I, I sent a snap to to Rob. He wanted no part of me. <laughs> yeah, he does that. That's 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 classic Rob. <laughs> it, is, it is. It was I was I was walking around Brockton screaming Rob. That was nowhere to find. <laughs> but yeah, I mean you know, again, it's it's early, but these are two back-to-back, you know, MVP conversation performances and their performances that, you know, you have to, to an extent, be start, starting to be sold on him in a Patriots uniform. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I agree. I'm, I'm really entertained by the, like the, like you said, the pocket maneuvers. There was a couple times last night where he would like legitimately have someone's arms wrapped around him and he would like just like duck under and stay in the pocket. And I was like, damn, he's really he's pretty good under pressure. Absolutely. So let's just dive right into it. The Celtics season on the line. Not officially because it wasn't 3-0, but they would have been in a real a real spot there. Bounce back win, one that I'm still pretty concerned with. Nevertheless, we we walked out of the bubble, and it's now 2-1. Thoughts, reactions? My main thought is we are better than the Miami Heat. Like, like there's not a question in my mind. Every single game we've played, we've had more than – we've held more than a 10-point lead for half the game. And then blown the lead. We almost we almost blew the lead again, in uh in game three. Um, I'm really glad Hayward's back. He even though he didn't score a lot, he's like a huge present on the course, just like passing and and defending. So I'm glad he's back. But they need to figure out how to you know in late game situations not play hero ball and just, like, dribble out the whole possession and weights possessions because it hasn't been working. Yeah, even without him scoring his presence alone, you saw how, you know, more efficient the ball movement was in the offensive end. Again, I take his presence over semi Ojale 110 out of 100 times. Um, and, yeah, I'm still extremely concerned with the Celtics. I actually looked up 
the splits percentage-wise. Within the three games, the Celtics have held the lead 70% of the time. Miami's had the lead 20% of the time. And it's been tied around under, like, 10%. So it was, like, 74, 20-something, and then, like, 5-point-something. And it's all at the end of the game <laughs> that Miami's leading. That's literally, that's literally <laughs> what it is. Yeah, That 5% is, like, the end of the first quarter. That 70% is, like, the second to third quarter. And Miami's 20% is, like, third to fourth quarter, I'm going to assume. I was glad he wasn't on a minute restriction. Like, he played 30-plus minutes. Yeah, in pregame, everyone assumed he was going to be minute restricted. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I actually, that, you know what that tells me? It tells me that it wasn't that serious of an injury. So he's comfortable, you know, he's ready to go. So, yeah, it was good to see him, too. Like, he had this nice bounce pass to, to Tice, I believe, yeah, in the early. second quarter. Oof. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't that his first I think wasn't that his first like play of the game? Maybe. That, that? I think yeah. Like he came in and did, immediately got that bounce pass. Yeah, that I was, didn't even I don't even know how he cut that through. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um but yeah, it was good to see Hayward. Um I thought I liked the shot selection. Um out the gate, the Celtics, they were attacking the rim every time. Um, Jalen Brown seemed like he was passing up every open three that he would take normally in games one and two. He just decided to attack the rim. Um, so I liked I liked our shot selection. I think in the fourth quarter we we kinda, you know, doing hero ball again <laughs> and just straight away from that. So the Miami was trying to creep up and Tyler Hero um, in the second quarter, whew, he was lighting us up. Just, oh, yeah. I think he scored like fourteen or something, thirteen or fourteen in like the first like five minutes. That was insane. Um, but I mean, Jimmy Butler offensively hasn't been too much for us. Um, it's more more of an all around effort. Um, still upset with Crowder as well with the flopping. It has to stop. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but <laughs> no, the one, the one that really got me was when Kemba connected on a mid-range shot around the free throw line, and this guy just completely threw himself around. I thought they were gonna take away the basket, but luckily they didn't. My favorite sequence was, I think it was like a eight zero or ten zero run alone from Tatum and Brown, where it was like back-to-back steals. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that was my favorite sequence of the game. But, again, it concerns me that you need to build a 20-point lead just to walk out there with an 11-9 to point win. And that's what upsets me with the Celtics is once we hit the fourth quarter, I was like, here we go again. I thought Miami was going to tie it and, you know, somehow overtime was going to find its way to us. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's about holding on to that lead and – the fact that Boston hasn't been able to do that through three games. Well, they did it last game, but it was still extremely concerning that you were up double plus digits and you completely let that slip out of your hands. See, the Heat's an interesting team because you can be up by, you know, 10, 12, and that it's different than being up by 10, 12 on, on other teams because they're so capable at the three point line that, like, a couple big shots in there. 
in their back. So, like, I still don't feel comfortable even up 10. No. And the and thing is, like, the Celtics don't respond very well in those situations. Yeah. Once Miami applies the pressure, that's when the poor shot selection comes from Boston. That's when a lot of ridiculous turnovers come up. That's when, you know, Brad goes, all right, Grant, get in there. And he has no idea what the hell he's doing. Yeah, I mean, credit to the Heat as well, because I believe in game three, they play man-to-man. And then I believe in either in the second quarter or in the third quarter, they just switched to zone. That zone was killing them. They didn't know. And what yeah, we were like, uh, uh. <laughs> it was, it was, it was hot potato at the top of the key, is what it was. Yeah. But yeah, that zone was absolutely killing the Celtics. You have Jalen Brown at the wing. You'd have Kemba at the top of the key. They'd hit each other. You'd have a completely obsolete big man down below who didn't know what he was doing. And then you just pull like a, a really inefficient last second contested either mid range or, or three from the corner. Yeah, we got it. That was killing them. Yeah. The best thing that I liked, like in Gordon Hayward returning, was, and no shade to Marcus Smart, but I know it's in the first two games that like this man was taking too many shots. And I get like, I get like he, his offense is has grown, like, so much. But, so he can knock down shots. But, like, in games one and two, he was fleeing up so many shots. And it would, you would see, like, they'd move the ball and Marcus would just fling a shot. And, like, Kemba wasn't putting up shots as much. Tatum wasn't putting up as many shots because every time Marcus got the ball, he would fling the ball. So, with Gordon Hayward back, and could be in part with the argument, I think that, you know, they're moving the ball around a little more. But then they, they like Robert said, they did get back in the hero ball. They need to figure that out because – and they even tried to, you know, down the down the stretch, they tried to slow the clock down and, like, waste time. And Kemba would dribble out at the top of the key for 20 seconds and then pass the ball to someone who was contested. Like, it, it just doesn't work. No, one thing that I was really impressed of in game three was how – Marcus Smart was able to neutralize uh, Goran Dragic. He shot two for ten, had eleven points, ah, eleven points, five turnovers, one assist, and he finished a minus twenty nine in the plus minus category. Damn. Yeah, Goran was struggling. He was struggling, and he was he's been he's been key in the series and and in That's a big the Buck series that you can if you can if you can neutralize that guy in any way, shape, or form your winning chances drastically increase. That's that's one of the things that really aggravated me about games one and two is how he was able to absolutely get that switch on Tyus, cook him in any way, shape, or form. We saw the same thing with Fred Van Fleet in the Toronto series, which is, you know, credit to Eric Spolstra, who, by the way, you guys know he's earning 120K for every playoff win that Miami gets. <laughs> actual true story aside from Twitter. Um but yeah that's that's one thing that the Celtics have you know they have had no answer for is as soon as that pick and roll comes or that switch and then Tyus has to go top of the key that automatically opens the floor for for any any guard to completely do 
do their way with them. But we did get out of there with the win. We have game four on Wednesday, which I still have no answer for why we have that big of a break. But, hell, it gives Gordon Hayward more time to recover. It's a it's a um, Western Conference catch up. That's what I assumed that's, it was. That's that's literally why what it is. Yeah, they're just trying to even out the series again. And I'm gonna take it because Hay- Hayward was talking at the end of the game, and he was saying, "I'm tired, my ankle hurts." So this couldn't be, this couldn't put us in a better situation. Like a couple of days off for him to rest and like his ankle, uh-huh. it worked out perfectly. But yeah, I'm almost positive it's a uh, because the West. Um, the Lakers and the Nuggets, they didn't they didn't have any break, so Yeah, that's what I assumed it was. But Ugh. so what's your biggest what do you want to see from the Celtics come game four? Any Brad Stevens lineup adjustments? Anything necessarily particular that you guys want to see? Uh just being able to protect the paint. Uh game three Miami didn't really shoot uh, that much, like in the paint. Um, they took forty-four threes. So I didn't. I feel like their game plan offensively from games one and two didn't really translate into game three. So uh, in case the Heat go back to that, I would like the Celtics to uh, defend the rim and also attack the zone a lot better. That's my. Uh, Two adjustments that I would make. How about you, Chris? Um, I think I want to see more. Like, I I do like Hayward coming off the bench in this series. I think if we do make it to the finals, I think they'll put Hayward back in the starting lineup. But for now, I do like him coming off the bench because, like Gio's been saying all year, like the Celtics have no no bench. Like, yeah, Brad Wanamaker, but he's so shaky. Like. One night he can go off, another night he can, you know, act like he doesn't know how to play basketball. <laughs> no, so he makes the, bench the most just... boneheaded, inexcusable plays. Yeah, so the, the bench with, with Hayward coming off the bench, that makes me a little more comfortable because you know how they, they flex around Tatum, and so they, they, they usually have Tatum run with that second unit. So if they have Tatum and Hayward with, you know, whoever they need to put in, uh, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Also, I'd like to see more rotation with the big men. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that sometimes you can't put Canner in. For, Just say you want you know, to see liability. Well, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, essentially what this is circling around to. But Cantor has, every time he's come in in the series, he's put up quick buckets. Um, so I think that Brett Stevens should, you know, use use Cantor a little bit more um, when, when, when it makes sense. Like, I don't want him just to be flung in there. And then, like Gio said, of course, my boy Robert Williams, Time Lord. Let that man get some burn. No, I agree. I've been completely on board with the give Williams minutes, and I feel like I haven't seen him since almost like the Philly series. Um, I have a new nickname for Brad Watermaker. I'm going to start calling him Brad and a Fool because he has the most ridiculous, inexcusable, what the hell were you doing? Remember in Toronto when he traveled on like back-to-back possessions? Actually, yeah, I did. Yeah. And you have this series where he completely just – you know, throws a, 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 what do you call that? Well, I have my brain dead for a minute there. He throws like a, a dead ball pass, like a quarterback does to, you know, intentionally end the clock right there as an inbound, completely turns the ball over. One of the most crucial moments of the game. 
That that right there, I wanted him out of Boston as soon as I saw that. <laughs> that's just I. That's just like the game's over. You're you're not into it. You're not invested in 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 the current situation that you're in. But yeah, he's had some of the most ridiculous moments. But it's terrible because as far as the bench goes, I'd rather see him in there than anyone else on that bench. But if there's one thing I really want to see from Boston, it's to not find themselves in a nonchalant sort of run to where they build that 20-point lead, they slow the ball down, and then they just completely go for a you know, 10-plus possession run of bad possessions of 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 you know multi turnovers, bad passes, bad shots. You saw it late in the no, not late in the third. I think it was early fourth quarter, where it's like you had you were clinging on from like eighteen. You could have pushed it over the hunch to twenty, twenty one point lead, and you completely fell apart from that point forward because you were forcing bad passes. You weren't running a more fluid, smooth offense that you were, which built that lead up. And I don't know what it is with the Celtics once they get to that point of where they're near that 20-point hunch and they can build up that lead and completely, like, capitalize and sort of put the nail in the coffin on Miami. They haven't been able to do it in any game this series so far. That's my biggest concern, and that's what I want to see adjusted is, you know, completely – Pushing the momentum, granted, I know it's tough because you have guys like Tatum, Brown, and and Marcus Smart who, in order to win a game, they have to play 40-plus minutes. But, you know, you got to deal with the – you got to work with the cards that you're dealt with, and that's that's what I want to see from the Celtics in game four. Yeah, I agree. Like, just being able to focus and have a, a great shot selection throughout the whole game. And just being able to sustain your lead. Because, um, like, the Heat, they just go on runs. And then, like, like I can't even smile, like, during the games anymore. Because <laughs> if they don't win, then it's like, you know, we're up by 15. That's cool. But, like, at the end of the game, I don't want to see us um, only up by, like, two three points. So, like, I just think shot selection and defense um is key and like attacking the rim like it was easy to attack the rim early early on like he had no answer Tatum was driving in Brown was driving in like we were making like tough tough floaters tough layups and like he had no answer um so I think we should continue doing that um and then we should be all set you know Hopefully we can tie this. Um, who do you feel more concerned yeah. with in Miami as far as who would you rather neutralize, Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson? Hmm. Um, that's a hard question. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if if I don't, that's hard because like if Duncan Robinson, if we're saying that they're both like heating up and we have to neutralize them, like. Duncan can just fling threes, and that's, like, demoralizing. But Tyler Hero can fling threes and other types of shots. So he can come at you both ways. Yeah. So I'd say, I don't know, because games one and two, we essentially, like, I didn't didn't feel like Tyler Hero was a huge presence in games one and two. Mm -mm. And Duncan Robinson was. So I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah, See, I, mean, I personally should... Right, go ahead, Rob. Uh, I mean, they're both talented. Um, Duncan Robinson's release is, is so quick. He doesn't even catch the ball. He just shoots it. Um, and Hero, he's, he's a very dynamic st- scorer. He can shoot. He can drive th- to the hoop. Um, so, you know, they're both tough to stop. I feel like, you know, Tyler Hero, he's their spark off the bench. He played like 36 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like if we can stop at least one of them, we'll be all right. That doesn't answer my question, Rob. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like that was the question. Man, man went the easy road. Man <laughs> went the easy road. Guy, he said, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to answer this question <laughs> at all. literally what he just yeah. did. Like, you're giving me two options, but I I don't – yeah. Who do you think is going to win the game? I mean, whoever's uh, hot. The, there's going to be a team that walks out there with a win. I can yeah. guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when the clock strikes midnight, someone's going to walk out there with four points. Someone <laughs> will win. Good take, Rob. Thank Good you. take. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to I was gonna say – I personally would rather neutralize Duncan Robinson. When you see the way he facilitates, he d- all he needs to do is get to the top of the key, get someone to set a screen for him, and he can dish that ball back and forth to whoever within like two seconds. Not only is his release on the shot quick, passing wise, and running to his spot, he's completely fast. I was in- I was incredibly impressed by that corner three where he barely even set up. I think Marcus Smart contested it, and he just caught it and threw it right in there. I think that was game. It was either game two or three where he did that. Um, yeah, I'd rather neutralize Robinson. He can con- he can completely, completely make your lead disappear in the span of just a few seconds if you give him enough space. Um, yeah, yeah, I go with him. I think, I think I'm probably taking. I'd probably say him too. Game four. Who needs to have a big game and step up? I just wanna see I just wanna see playmaking and driving to the basket early in the game. Because most cases when we do that we get we get people in foul trouble. And that kind of changes the whole play of game. The 6'8 center has been ejected, I think, 90% of his playoff performances so far. You know he's going to be in foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, he uses them. He, hey, he uses I swear them. to God he's ejected every night. He he was ejected a couple times. He's, he's, he is in foul yeah, trouble every he's night. He's always in foul trouble. Like, he's just not disciplined on defense. He's undersized. It's He just, for some reason, the refs are just like, you – Foul. <laughs> I don't know. Tyson's like he only played twenty four minutes in the game three. I'll give it to him. The officials have been completely such... killing him. But there are some possessions where I'm completely irritated where he does such dumb, dumb stuff. Like he'd have say smart on hero from the from the corner, gets a pass, drives to the basket. Why are you reaching in? That's Marcus Smart. That's one of the best defenders in the league. He doesn't need your help. He he was he must have been tired because the other night there was a steal and they had a fast break opportunity but like someone was someone was down low like like I think Tatum was running with the guy and he had four fouls and he fouled on the fast break like he pulled his 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 jersey oh and he got his fifth foul and I was like 
Why would? Like, yeah, I remember that play. Why would you let him? Like, what's the point? Like, I get that you don't want them to have an easy, uh, an easy oh, bucket. Yeah, was that the one on Jimmy but, like, Butler? I think yeah. so. But you had, you already had four. Like, why would you give yourself a fifth just to exactly. stop a bucket? Like, it doesn't make sense. That's why I hate those fouls, those type of fouls, because it's like people, like players, do that a lot early in games, and then not realize like that costs them down the road later in the game. And then, like you have, you rack up fouls. You have like four or five fouls, and that was a silly foul. Like, like you said, like you had, you had four fouls. And now you picked up your fifth. You legitimately are started. You're a starting center, and you're just putting yourself in a bad position, you know. And now Brad has to fix the rotation, take you out, and figure out something. Did Robert Williams play at all? No. Played last game. Yeah. I must have really rubbed you the wrong way. I did. Sure did. Sure did. I guess you take if... it personally. Kind of. <laughs> I'm re. I'm. You know. I'm reaping the benefits because I've been hyping this man since he came. Since he came. Since he missed his first interview, I've been hyping him. So now that he's finally coming around and getting some action, I'm talking all that good. Good. Also, did I call it or did I call it? I told y'all we were like, we were gonna go down two zero on our last podcast. Yeah, yeah, you did say that. But I still think we're gonna. I, like I said on the last one, I still think we're gonna win in Game Seven. Still think we're going to seven. I, you think we're gonna win four straight? I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> I think we're going to Game Seven. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I can see any scenario going down in this series with the way that. It's been so weird. If you were to tell me before the series started, oh, yeah, Boston would have the lead 70-plus percent of the time, but we'd be down in the series, I'd be like, how does that happen? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a fair... Uh... It's been a very, very weird, weird series so far, but, again, it's one where I still think every game we've played the better 90%. Miami's just come up making plays when they need to make plays, which was the case in game one, especially that completely like symbolizes that you saw again, 90 plus percent of the time it was pure Boston dominance first half plus. And then when Miami needed to make crucial plays that Boston hasn't really shown, they've had the ability to make down the stretch. Miami's made those plays and that's what's killed us. Any final takes? Robert? Um, yeah, um, we got to win game game four. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, t- he must be tired, bro. He must be, Robert must be tired. He said, uh, my final take is we have to win this game <laughs> to stay in the series. Yep. I mean, you're not wrong. So at least you're saying, you're saying you know, true things. I'm hoping that I'm actually hoping you know Kemba shoots well, because um, he's been up and down in these playoffs. Yeah, he has. He really has. He he did play good last game. Um, I would like to see a game two, like a game four blowout. <laughs> that would like, be nice. Just just get just just take one of those leads and then just hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Like a real demoralizing, 
a real demoralizing win. Because uh, I, I honestly like I could like Gia said I could see like if we lost if we lost next two and got eliminated from the series like I'd be like I mean yeah this could happen but I also could see us just winning every single game and finishing in six like it's really you never know where, which way it can go yeah I mean because there hasn't been a, a single game in the series where we're like they're like bodying us and we're just like falling apart yeah like all games are winnable uh, so far it's just that uh, we we couldn't close. It's all been self. It's all been self-inflicted errors. Yeah. No, it's been the weird. Turnovers. The first series, it was like, yeah, you completely dominated Philly. The second series was like, all right, you either got dominated or you dominated against Toronto. And this series is like, you dominated, but you didn't care enough to finish it off. That's exactly what it is. So, and I feel like most people feel the same way. It's all like I said. I think most people feel like, and every loss that we've had to this team, it's been like. You guys gave up. You guys started playing sloppy. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know. What I want to see from this game is, like, I want to see the defensive intensity pick up in the fourth quarter, not not go away. Now, one thing that I really would like to see is a huge Tatum or, or Brown game. The thing that, you know, they've played well, but I feel like the one player who's completely elevated from what he showed us in the regular season to the playoffs has been Marcus Smart. I think when you see Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, it's like, yeah, 25-21, that's regular season. But when you get to the playoffs, I want to see you elevate and show me more. Tatum's done a phenomenal job on, on the glass and, and facilitating the ball. But there are several times, especially late-game situations, where he's top of the key and he defers to either Kemba or Jalen Brown in the corner. It's like, I want you taking that shot. I want that to be your possession. And that's what's aggravated me. With him. He had Fred Van Fleet guarding him several instances in the final series and last series. And instead of taking that shot against an undersized defender or doing something against him, he would defer to other options, which I never understood. I feel the top of the key is one is probably Tatum's best spot from beyond the arc. And that's what's aggravated me. I think Marcus Smart's the one player here who's elevated his game the best. And I want to see – I need to see a big game from – from Tatum or Brown. I agree with that. Although, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, that, that's fair. Because I feel like there's been games, especially regular season, that, like, Tatum has gone off. Like, like it's been his game. Like, And even though, like you said, he is scoring high 20s every night, like, he hasn't really, like, taken control yet. Or had a game where you're just like, no one can stop this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so that's like, like what you expect if, from him. If Mark, if you told me yeah. Marcus Smart was averaging twelve points in the playoffs, I'd be like, "Cool, that's smooth." What like that's not that's that's not like anything I didn't expect. Like that's just maybe that's just me being you know a Boston sports brat going, "Yeah, I expect you to do that," but can you do something more? Yeah, I mean the Miami Heat's defense is pretty good as well. Like they've been double teaming Tatum. Forcing him to pass, I think that's what helping him like get uh, assists. So, I mean, that's part of it as well. Men's been dancing on triple doubles most nights. Yeah, and it's been like it's been like good double doubles, like he, he, like twenty eight and fourteen and and eight or six. Like he's been moving the ball pretty well. Yeah, like I'll be watching the game and I'll be like, like they'll bring up the stats. I'm like, wow. I'm like. I'm like, they don't have yeah, that many. Half yeah, I'm like, dang. Yeah. 
I'm like, dang, Tatum has a double double already. Man had like eleven, eight, and six at halftime yesterday. I was like, holy yeah. crap! All right, so let's get these final takes in there. Game four, what are we gonna see? Celtic domination. That's my take. <laughs> All right, well, game... Don't just say game four win again. Game four, we're gonna see some ball movement. We're gonna see some uh defense. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see um just all around game from everyone. I feel like just sharing the ball and getting up good shots. I think Hayward's gonna have a fifteen point night. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's gonna put a little more offense in tomorrow. Or Wednesday. I had a real good picture. I wanted to post a Twitter. Hayward had a big game three, but I didn't get to post it. It was really upset. It's okay. You can save it for the Yeah, save it, bro. That's what. <laughs> That's I, I have no choice. All right. Uh, we'll be back in game. We'll see if we do a game four post podcast. I don't know. We'll probably do just bring it, drag it all the way to week three. But as always, Thank you, gentlemen, for joining early in the morning pod. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to go straight to bed as soon as this gets uploaded. <laughs> Man, I got to go to work. <laughs> I'm, I got an eight-hour shift coming for me. Rob's eight probably going to get on Fall Guys for another few hours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right. But thank you, gentlemen, for joining, and I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Right, take care, guys. Next week.